Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Genesis chapter 3, while you're still standing, and uh, we kicked off a a mini-series last Sunday and kind of continuing in that same vein this morning. And uh, Genesis chapter 3, read a couple verses, three verses here, beginning at verse number 6. Amen. Genesis 3, beginning at verse number 6, and says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Verse 7, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Verse 8 says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Last week, we we talked about that. We went back to the garden. This week, we're going to look at the places we run, the places that we run. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. It's kind of a um, a quick recap um, from last week. Uh, maybe you forgot what we covered. Maybe you don't take notes. Shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. Not everybody takes notes. I get that. Um, so just a quick uh, recap. Again, we went uh, back to the garden, uh, looking at the story of of Adam and Eve, and and uh, we talked about the gospel and and what the gospel literally, when you break break it down, the meaning of that word, the meaning of of good news, right? And and uh, then we kind of broke everybody's heart and said we weren't going to talk about good news that day. We were going to discuss bad news because for there to be good news, right? It has to invade the bad news side of things. There has to be some bad places that the good news marches into. Um, Spoiler alert, today is also bad news day. So I I really feel bad about that. Uh, But uh, we're going to continue talking about the bad news a little bit more. I'm sorry, but it is a fair warning. Okay, it's just a fair warning. Uh, we, we kind of looked at um, the world being broken, how it was perfect, and then all of a sudden, everything that God had established had been shattered, right? And, um, and, and you know, we're not really dialed into that so much. And uh, it's kind of sad sometimes how we've gotten a little bit numb to the darkness and the evil. I know there are some things that pop up and arise in situations where we you know, open up our phones to a headline and we're like, man, this world is just, it's dark and it's evil and it's broken. Um, That's how we get dialed into it a little bit. Um, We, uh, outside of an event taking place, you know, there is a a, a gnawing inside of us. There's a, a desire for more. The more that we travel through this world and the experience, the, the dark, broken pieces of the world, there's a void inside of us that we realize that needs to be filled. And we looked at Genesis 1 and, and 2 and, and creation and that how the rhythm that God established in the beginning, 
God created this, God created that, and it was good. God created this, God created that, and it was good. There was a rhythm that was established in the very beginning. Um, and, and we looked at how God gave the man and the woman one rule and not an ambiguous rule, right? It wasn't he said, hey, come in here. I want you to show respect. There's a lot of ways that you can do that, right? There's a lot of different ways that you could accomplish that. But it was one rule, and it was very clear cut. And we looked at how they disobeyed. Um, and now, all of a sudden, where there used to be peace, there's now strife. And where their uh, shame has now entered into the picture. And it was just this complete reordering of creation from how God designed everything to be. Pain is now amplified, said your pain will increase in childbirth. And now you have um, relational issues that didn't used to exist before, but now they've been brought into the picture. Work is now work. It's hard work. Amen. And and now uh, the final piece was you have the reign of death over uh, ruling over man. And then we arrive uh, this morning at, at, at Genesis 3, and, and I want to call your attention again to verse number 8, which I said last week is probably one of the most heartbreaking verses in all of Scripture, where it talks about Adam and Eve hearing the voice of God walking in the garden, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. So before sin enters into the world, you have no shame. You have nothing to hide. You have no reason to run. Um, You have outright joy in the presence of God. And now what has happened? There's now shame. There's now understanding of nakedness. They run and they hide. You know, running is one of those things that uh, I always think that I would enjoy until I'm actually running, right? I, I see people, I see people run all of the time, and it and inspires me. Uh, I, I, you know, and it inspires me. I think, man, I really need to do that. I really need to start running. I really got to get some cardio, some conditioning. I really, I'm gonna get up early tomorrow and I'm going to run. Uh, I have a neighbor who's in the military, and uh, he works out here at the National Guard, and a couple months ago, I, I, I was taking Reddick for a drive to get him to fall asleep uh, for, the, for the night. It was 5.30 p.m., and no, I'm just kidding. It was later than that. It was 8, it was eight o'clock. It was 8, 8.30. I've been tempted before 5.30. He'd be probably sleep all night, um, but I, I, I turned the, uh, the corner um, by Pizza Hut, and I seen my neighbor out running, and I thought, oh, he probably came to the to the armory and and went and and went to the gym, and now he's out headed for a run. And then I ran into him a few weeks after, and and we were talking about how he had started running, and I said, I I seen you just a a, a little while ago, and told him where I was. I said I just assumed that you were at the you know running from the army. And he's like, no, I ran from my house. And if you know where I live, I live on the south end of town, and I saw him at the complete opposite end of town. And he told me it's a six-mile lap from his house all the way around town and back. And that's six miles. And, you know, we got into conversation. I told him, I was like, I really need to start running. And, you know, what do you think he did? He invited me to his next run. 
And I'm like, you already told me you're running six miles. Like, we're going to have to start. Let's just check out our neighborhood for a moment here. This we got a nice neighborhood, a little half-mile jaunt here. There's nothing, you know, I'm, you know, you got to start baby steps with this little thing. You can't just say I'm going to go out and run a marathon, right? But so we have yet to connect on that run. But uh, because, again, it's to me, I, I think, and I think for a lot of people, I think it falls into the concept versus commitment battle, if I'm being completely honest. You know, for me, I like the idea of running, right? The concept of running. I can get in on that, but I'm opposed to the commitment side of things. Uh, it's like kind of like owning a dog. Whenever I was 18, 19 years old, I thought I needed a dog, wanted a dog, got the dog, owned it for less than 24 hours, shipped it out of the house because I wasn't committed to everything that I have to be committed to with owning an animal. So take that for what it's worth if you're deciding on what should I get a pet or not. You know, talk to a pet person if you want to get the pet, but don't talk to me. Uh, but, but realize this morning is that we're, we're all, I was thinking about this, we're all runners here today, all of us. We're all runners. We are all running this morning. I realize that, that, uh, that everybody in this room today is running from something to something. And because of the curse, specifically the curse we're looking at this morning, pain and, you know, the story of Adam and Eve and what has happened, pain is now amplified. Work is now work. Death is now reigning over us. And because of all that, there is a feeling inside of all of us that says, Something isn't right, right? This, none, none of this is sitting well with me. And that feeling works itself out in many different ways. It works itself out in depression. It works itself out in fear, anxiety. But what we are all feeling in that moment is there is something that I, I mentioned last Sunday at the soul level that according to the book of Ecclesiastes, that where the soul somehow remembers the garden and remembers the experience. Romans 8 puts it this way, that they groan in eager longing along with all of creation for what? For things to be restored, for things to be made right. We groan and we travail in pain. There is a feeling inside of all of us that says, that this isn't right. What I'm experiencing isn't right. And all of a sudden, what comes over us in, in some situations is, I've got to fix this. Like, I've got to do, we need to fix this because there's a void that says there's more out there. There's more than what I'm seeing. And there absolutely is, but we all learn to run. And we're gonna talk about the places that we run to trying to fix the issue, trying to fix the problem, trying to fix our world. We seek to try to redeem, to reconcile, to rescue ourselves. And here's what we do. We run to places that will never, ever work. Something is wrong. I gotta grab the bull by the horn, so to speak. I have to fix this. And we run, desperately trying to find the solution to our soul problem. Here's where we're run. One of the first places that we run to is ourselves. Everybody say ourselves. 
ourselves. We always run there first. Here's what we do. We have thoroughly convinced ourselves that a better version of us is what's going to finally solve all that bothers us. We have this we have this future version of us in our minds today that once we get there, we think that all of the angst and all of the frustration that there has to be something more is simply going to vanish. Here's what's really crazy about that. You would be hard-pressed to find anyone who has lied to you and disappointed you more than you have. A couple of you believe that. We we chase, we chase a better version of ourselves, thinking that a better version of ourselves is the answer. And we look to ourselves for the answer. Anyone ever heard of anorexia? Okay. This is where you literally starve yourself. And it's just as mental, if not more, uh, uh, it's just as mental, if not more mental than it is physical. Here's what happens. There's a perception of reality that's, that's twisted. That, that, and it leads to the ultimate demise of the person. If you see photos of people who are close to death, but because of anorexia, they are just bone and skin. But when they look in the mirror, what do they see? I'm overweight. And it's absolutely insane. And there's a type of spiritual anorexia that has you and I looking at ourselves in the mirror and thinking that we're more than we are. And I need you to hear me this morning. You're probably not going to like this. You and I will never be good enough for God. I know some of you said amen to that, and some of you like <laughs> gasping, shocked. You will never be good enough for God. That version of you in the future that you have in your head will be just as disappointing to you as you find right now. You'll never be good enough for God. It's the wrong well, friend. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we shouldn't better ourselves. I'm not up here saying that we should, we should stop striving for perfection. We absolutely should. But here's the deal. You will not be able to satisfy what has gone wrong in you with that. You can't satisfy the soul. Only Jesus can satisfy the soul. A better version of you solves nothing which leads me to the second place that we run. We run to others. I say others, others, others. And I can't believe how many of us think that other people will complete us. The, the fracture in the foundation of every relationship, whether it be friendship or marriage, or parent to child, whatever dynamic, is the fracture of you will satisfy and complete me. I mean, isn't that what we all said to our significant other whenever we realize, like, we want to spend the rest of our life like, you complete me. Come on, I know you wrote it down in a card somewhere. 
you complete. Now, I love my wife. She is, she's a rock star. She is amazing. And I'm not saying that to get points here up here this morning. Okay. I took her on a date yesterday with the kids. I know that's not a date, but you know. <laughs> I know that's not a real date, but but we went shopping. I let her pick the restaurant. Either she'd probably argue and say, no, it was everybody says, no, I know, I knew where she wanted to go. She picked it out. We got her dessert. You know, so my my bank account is full of like love credit. Okay. So we're we're good there. I'm not saying, I'm not saying this to get points, but what I'm saying is, is she is my best friend. She's a gift from God. I, I, I love her, but she's not my God. Does that make sense? Is she, a, is she a great friend, best friend? Yes. Has she helped me in my calling and when all is said and done, accomplish what God would have me to do? Absolutely. But is she my God? No. And I shouldn't put that expectation on her. If you put expectations on your friends, on your spouses, to fill the emptiness in you, friends, you are just sowing conflict in your life. They can't do it. It's impossible. Can they help? Sure. We, we, and, but to put expectation, we have to stop thinking that this person or that person or them over there would, 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 is going to satisfy all of the cracks and the crevices that are in our hearts. When we do that, we are moving toward conflict that ultimately will create a lot of pain and a lot of loss for people. Hey, there are a lot of broken homes that exist today because of this expectation that I'm talking about that was put on a husband or put on a wife. We find fullness of life in Christ and not in others. We find satisfaction in Jesus and Him alone. The expectation that others become that for us puts an impossible weight on that individual. But it's a place that we run to a lot, but we can't. We can't do that. We can't run to others thinking that they will satisfy the soul. I know they're your best friend, and I know they mean the world to you. And those relationships are important. They're extremely important. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. We need those relationships. I'm just simply saying they can't fill the void in your life. They can't fill that emptiness inside of us that that garden experience created. They, they just can't. Here's another place that we run to, the world. We run to the world. Now, the world is, the world is tricky because, you know, the, the world kind of feels good. And here's, here, here's what I mean by the world when I say the world. What I mean when I talk about the world is really kind of twofold, okay? One, there's the stuff. I say stuff, stuff that the world can provide. I mean, have you ever thought about how, how really silly this is? You know, I used to think this all the way, this, I used to think this, and to be honest with you, I kind of do sometimes still think this, but I used to think that my car would always run better after I washed it. Anybody else? This, hey, it's making a funny noise. You know, and, and there's a little bit of white smoke that's puffing it. Let's just take it to the car wash. Let's just take it to the car wash. 
It's probably his feelings are hurt because of all the mud. Let's just take it to the car wash. Let's let's help this guy out. Let's take it to the car wash because that will always make it run better. In reality, it didn't run any better. It was still the same old car or truck. It was just a little cleaned up. The wheels were shining a little bit more. Isn't it interesting how new stuff makes us feel like better human beings? right? We're not. We just got a new watch. That's really all that happened. But it makes us feel so much better. You get a new car and you think that I'm a better human being. We're just, we're just driving through this town totally of a different mindset. No, you're the same person just with a little bit more debt now. You got a new letter coming in the mail every single month. You're, you're not any better. You just have new stuff. A new home makes you feel good and better about yourself, but it's still you. It's just a new house, but it has this effect on us. And guess what? That effect is very dangerous. Because you can numb that angst that you feel with trinkets and toys and gadgets, but eventually all of that stuff is going to be buried under a mountain of dirt. Everything we own is temporary, here for but a season. None of it makes us a better person. What the world can give you, that's, that's the first side of this coin. The other side of this coin, when I say that we run to the world, is there is, there, there is this aspect of the world I want to throw out to you. There are things in the world that God has given us things that I would call them good gifts that he has blessed us with. And they are gifts for everyone, Christian, non-Christian. I'll give you an example. Food. Everyone's like, oh, please don't talk about food. Come on, somebody say amen. Food, that's a good gift. That's a good gift. Food is good and can be enjoyed by, again, the believer or the unbeliever. If you, if you ate it in your car, that's not good food. Let's be real honest here this morning. I'm talking, I'm talking good food, okay? Yesterday, we had a craving for a burger, and I'm talking a good burger, right? N- not good burger, but, you know, we, a, a good burger, a little Nickelodeon reference there. But, and I'm not talking about the one that comes in wrapped in foil and put in a bag with some napkins. Maybe napkins. It's optional these days. Why aren't they giving napkins out? Okay, so we made a stop over at High Point Drive-In. Come on, somebody. What are the, yes. That's, that's perfectly in order, okay? One of the best, <laughs> one of the best burgers in St. Louis. I mean, I highly recommend it if you have never been there before, okay? And when I say drive-in, it's not like it's just the old name, High Point Drive-In, okay? But you actually go in and you order and you sit down, you get your food. Yesterday, I went with the Frisco Melt double burger with Swiss and American cheese special sauce on a grilled sourdough. Come on, somebody. It was glorious. I mean, it was just, I can't think of any other word. Food is a good thing. It's a, it's a gift from God. He has blessed us with some great things, but sometimes we human beings, we can take something that is a gift, it's a good thing, and turn it around and abuse it. 
We, we learn how to use these gifts outside of their intended purpose. Ever heard of stress eating before? Long, hard day at work, stress you out. Where's the Ben and Jerry as soon as I get home? Where is it? I'm just going to sit on the couch with my favorite blanket, favorite T-shirt, don't talk to me. That stress eating, it's a real, it's a real thing. I would say sports fall into this category well. Good things, but can easily be abused. Here's the thing about the world. When we use these gifts outside of their intended purpose, when we use these gifts outside of the good, outside of the boundaries that God has placed, where life was supposed to flourish has now become a destruction. I mean, anybody who has children, you know that boundaries are a good thing. There is madness in our culture today that says we don't need authority. We don't need somebody telling us what to do. We don't need somebody putting up a... How many of you have had two-story houses here? Two-story houses or ever vacation in a two-story house? Okay. If you have stairs in your house, are you a cruel mom or dad if you put that little gate thing up at the stairs so that your kid doesn't plummet to their death? Are you a cruel parent? No, you're an awesome parent. You're a great parent. Are, are you a bad parent that you set up a boundary? No. I mean, we have to, we, you know, I'm sure you do that when you have small kids and you put the little plastic things over the outlets and stuff because it's like a laser beam for those kids. They're going to find something metal and stick it inside of there. So we plug it up and we, 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 we bring safety about in our home because I'm telling you, our third one right now, he's testing all of the weaknesses in our house right now, okay? I mean, everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken and it has been shaken, Okay? So we got to do things. We got to jimmy rig up the back door so he can't slide out of it. And, and, and all of a sudden, where is he? He's in the road. You know, where is he? I, I, I mean, my dad always tells a story when I was uh, a kid. You know, they, they thought it was a storming outside. No, Bryce got up on the house and was running up and down the house. They thought it was thunder. It was eight months old. No, I'm just kidding. It was eight months old. But it's like, we need to talk to that man. Okay? Are you a bad parent because you are trying to protect and you set boundaries around your child? No. That makes you an awesome parent. In the same way, when God says, hey, here's these gifts. Use these gifts like this. Enjoy these gifts like this. Use it this way. He's not trying to take anything from you. Trust me. God isn't trying to be a buzzkill for your life, friend. He's trying to protect you. He's trying. The fences that we put up around our life are there to, for us to enjoy life and to keep us safe. They're put there for the sole purpose of protection. It's a safeguard. God's not trying to take anything from you. God's not trying to keep you from some sort of amazing life. I mean, how would God be glorified if his big plan was, hey, you're going to follow me uh, because if you don't, I'm going to send you to hell. I mean, how would that be? How would God be glorified in that way? His plan is actually the opposite of that. His plan isn't, hey, you do better or I'm going to damn you to for eternity. His plan is, hey, let me show you the fullness of joy. Isn't that what Jesus says? I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. 
I know there are a lot of people that kind of look at Pentecostals and, and they think, oh, they just have a bunch of rules and they just have a list and you got to abide by this and you got to abide by that. Friend, I don't see any of that. All that I see is the fullness of joy that Jesus brings. He doesn't just want you to live, but he wants you to live in abundance. So when we run to the world, and we, 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 and we run to the world outside of the boundaries of what God created things to be enjoyed in. We ultimately hurt ourselves. Food is good. Sports are good. They're to be enjoyed, but we shouldn't run there for comfort. We shouldn't run there for support. We shouldn't make them our God. We're running. What are we trying to do whenever we're running? We're, we're trying to satisfy the soul. We're trying to fill the void. We're trying to fill that space. Running to ourselves won't do it. Running to uh, others won't work. You won't find it in the world. And the last place that we run to is this, as our music comes. We run to religion. Religion. What do you mean by that, Bryce? mean by religion what I mean by religion is all major monotheistic religions they all teach a type of appeasement of a deity okay it is external to internal it's this I'm going to Tilt the scales in my favor by being a good person. That's what's going, and we think that's what's going to satisfy us. I helped a friend out. I helped the lady load her groceries. I helped the child cross the street. And by doing that, I'm sort of tilting the scales in my favor. And I'm going to give myself over to this list of things here that I must do in order to appease God. Whether that God is Yahweh or Allah or what have you. It's this, let me obey these commandments. And if I'm good enough at obeying these commandments, religion doesn't work. In fact, religion is just as enslaving as the, as the world ever was. And let me ask you this. Isn't this last place that we run to, isn't, isn't just the first place with an amen on it? An amen on it and church attendance, it's, it's running to ourselves again. Aren't we just trying to save ourselves except with external religious practices? It doesn't work. Why? Because we are looking to ourselves for the answer. Our own personal Savior. Stand with me this morning, if you will. The... Uh, the prophet Isaiah said something really interesting in chapter 55. 
He said, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. I wonder if you see the invitation of God. Why do you keep eating bread that doesn't satisfy you? <laughs> Why do you keep running to these places? He said, do you want rich food? Get in here. Do you want to be satisfied? Come. I mean, Jesus said, come unto me. Come. Folks, redemption, reconciliation will not be found inside of you. It will not be found in others. The world will not provide it, and religion can't possibly bring it. But these are the places that we run to over and over and over again, trying to fix ourselves and fix the world. But they just can't deliver what we're hoping they will. They cannot come through. I know you, I know they promise that they can. I know that they'll advertise that they can, but they absolutely cannot. And some of you are living proof. Some of you are testimony after testimony of that. That doesn't work. I tried to run there and that didn't work. And I tried to run over here and that didn't work. So what are you saying, Bryce? I mean, what are, you, what, are you, what are you saying this morning? That we're all just damned? That's kind of what I'm saying today. I'm going to kind of land the plane right there because that's the bad news. The bad news is that there's nothing in you that can rescue you. Nothing that can save you. Nothing that can satisfy the soul, the, the, the whole of eternity that's inside of you. But the good news is, is that there is someone, something that can. But that's what we're going to talk about next week. Kind of landing right here on this thought of we can't be our own savior. Would you bow your head, close your eyes in this place, and just ask that you'd pray right now. If you... I, I get it. This, this, you know, we, we really thought that we sometimes, if, if we're being truly honest with ourselves, we thought, hey, we could, we could do something here. We, we can... We can, be the, we can be the Savior. We can be our own God. We can, we can fix this issue. And I get it. That's in our nature. It's in our nature to react that way. It's in our nature to, oh, this is, I have to be the one. I have to. It's got to fall on me. And we feel that pressure. I'm just trying to lift that pressure right now. And I just ask you to pray, God, help me not to get in the way of me. God, help me not to add to the problem. Help me not to add, God, to the issue at hand, Lord. 
God, remind me, God, not to run to these places, not to run to myself for in my time of trouble, in my time of need, God, in my pursuit, Lord, to fill the void that's inside of me, God. Help me not to run to myself, God. Help me not to run to others. Lord, help me not to run to this world and the things that you've blessed us with, Lord. Those are good things and they have their purpose, but they ultimately can't save me. God, help me to fix my eyes on you. Help me to run, God, to the place that I'm supposed to run. Because we're all running. We just need to change course and to run toward the one who can ultimately satisfy. The one who can ultimately deliver what we're hoping can be delivered. Keep your hand upon us, God, in this walk, in this journey called life. Keep your hand upon us, God, as we search for you. I pray that you would be the desire of all of our hearts, God, that our pursuit would be after you. What is right, what is holy, what is true, God, we seek for you. In Jesus' mighty name, we love you, Lord. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.